0: Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, the host. And I have been so fortunate over the past three plus years doing this podcast to talk to so many different people in the health and wellness field. And I'm always looking for better ways to take care of ourselves and for you to take care of yourself. And I A while back, I came across a functional medicine doctor, and I was really curious about it and learned so much, but I still want to know more. So functional medicine, what is it? What's it all about and how can it help us live our best lives? So today I have Rich Jacobs with me. He's a functional medicine practitioner out in Arizona and he loves helping women overcome some of our most common health issues. Maybe you suffer from one of these or many. Fatigue, insomnia, low libido perhaps, and maybe a little bit of stress thrown in there. As a former collegiate strength and conditioning coach, he understands the spectrum of health from the athlete's perspective as well as the non-athlete. He became passionate about helping others holistically through his own health issues, which we will talk to him about, and doctors so often cannot resolve issues for one reason or another. Yeah. And it, and sometimes it takes a little bit of sleuthing. And this functional medicine is really interesting because it deals with people in a holistic way and not just looking at one symptom and trying to treat it. So we're going to talk to Rich Jacobs today. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Hi, Connie. I appreciate you having me. Thank you.
0: It's so funny because um, I did say sleuthing, and then I go on to read about your bio, and it says you use your detective skills to find the root cause of common health issues. It really is a a matter of really being a detective when it comes to diagnosing people and helping people overcome some of these more vague symptoms.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Some of the common symptoms that we see today could be caused by things that... You know, modern medicine wasn't built to think about treating or finding or looking at. So you know, over the years, uh, I've kind of coined, not coined, but I'm using the, the My Health Detective is what I'm doing with people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So talk about what functional medicine is. Just kind of recap. We did a podcast a while back about it. And um, maybe you can just give us your take on what functional medicine is and how does it fit into our our modern medical paradigm?
1: Yeah, so functional medicine is basically looking for the root cause of an issue. So while uh, modern medicine is going to, treat symptoms. Functional medicine is going to look for that root cause. You treat that root cause and then you eliminate the symptoms as a result.
0: And how does that differ from traditional medicine, would you say?
1: Well, you know, traditional medicine, when looking at chronic illness, they, they're they more often going to treat the symptoms and make the symptoms go away. However, that doesn't mean the root cause of what's causing the symptoms Is actually going anywhere. In -hmm. fact, when they go off the medication, their symptoms could come back even uh, worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned in the intro that you came to be so passionate about this uh, functional medicine because of some of your own health challenges. Can you talk about that a little bit and maybe uh, how functional medicine helped you?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So, you know, I had uh, insomnia, gut issues, low libido. I mean, I had everything on the gamut that, uh, was pretty much dragging me down. And I did like what everyone else would do. I went to the doctor and the doctor did some labs on me and said, every, everything looked fine. Well, that's frustrating because obviously I didn't feel fine. Uh, he gave me some medication and, and, you know, went on with my life. So I knew there was more to it than that. Uh, My background in health, fitness and, and wellness, and so I found functional medicine and functional diagnostic nutrition to be more specific. And through that process, I actually found the root cause of my health issues by working with a mentor who then also taught me uh, how to help other people find the root cause of their issues and treat them so that they can deal with the chronic chronic illness that modern medicine really isn't equipped to deal
0: with. Would it be too much to ask what the root cause would be? Because when you say get to the root of it, I'm so curious about what the root of so many of these causes are, because there's only so many roots.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? A lot of roots. A lot of roots. So my root cause specifically was stress. Okay. And then I ended up having a bacterial overgrowth and fungal overgrowth. And that caused a lot of issues with my hormone imbalance and uh, sleep. And so with a lot of people that I work with, it's often the same. Stress is usually the number one cause of people having this type of dysfunction and that stress will then impact the body in different ways. So it could lead to, you know, leaky gut is talked about a lot now um, that can lead to leaky gut, making inflammation, a bigger deal in the body, making you allergic to things you were never allergic to before. Mm. And that can lead to hormone imbalances and then thyroid imbalance uh, and a whole bunch of other things that you wouldn't really think about coming back to stress.
0: Yeah, and stress is pretty insidious, would you say? Like how many of you, do many of your patients show up at your office not really thinking they're under a lot of stress and then they realize, "Wow, maybe I am." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much everyone. They're like, "Well, this is just normal, isn't it?"
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that some days. I feel like, "Well, I just get used to it." And and then, you know, every once in a while I say, "Wow, that was really stressful." But I'm I practice mindfulness and awareness before that, before I started practicing. I think it was just common. I think it was a common way of life.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that I often have to explain the difference between common and normal. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that go through common symptoms like fatigue in the morning or fatigue at 2 or 3 in the afternoon, but that isn't normal. It's just really common.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, one of your specialties is how stress affects hormone balance with women, and I know this is very big, women, uh, young women, older women, <laughs> uh-huh. women in my age group. Um, talk a little bit about how stress affects women from PMS to menopause.
1: Stress is a funny thing. It'll it'll affect what's called the HPA axis, and that's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So basically... Uh, organs in the brain down to organs in the body which is all hormone controlled and when stress starts to affect the the main hormone called cortisol cortisol is going to react and it's going to increase in the body now cortisol as a whole is not bad for you but when it's around for a long time it becomes inflammatory to the body and when cortisol doesn't get reduced it's now pushing your hormonal system to a different pathway to where you're no longer producing those great hormones like testosterone and estrogen that help us with sleep and libido and uh, energy and so that's really the, the main impact of stress throwing those hormones out of balance which over time if not corrected could then cause your digestive system to be out of balance and you know goes down the whole dark tornado of uh, fun for people. right? right. Uh, and so PMS is a symptom that, or um, a group of symptoms for women that unfortunately, and I know probably nobody's going to believe me, shouldn't be occurring. In other words, PMS symptoms are really common, but they're not normal.
0: Mm, mm. I know it's funny. I was just talking to my daughter about that today, how PMS, it, it, for I, I don't know, maybe I'm Uh, Not a very good example of it, but I remember going through PMS and just it's a feeling of not being able to control the emotional roller coaster for just a couple of days. And it's it's overwhelming to so many women, I think.
1: Uh, It really is. And uh, how people don't think about hormones as controlling our emotion and mood. Um, it, it's amazing and how it even is connected to the gut and if you have issues in the gut how that can also impact your your emotions and, and mood. Mm-hmm. So my wife also had those issues and uh I've been working with her and this month, you know, when it when it becomes that time of the month, she didn't have any symptoms and mm-hmm. she's like, Wow, it was really weird. Wow. I'm like, Maybe you believe me now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was she nicer? She was a little nicer this month. She her. was always really
1: nice. But you know, there's uh
0: I know you gotta be careful with this subject. Sorry. I shouldn't take you down this road. (laughs) Uh, We'll get, we'll get off. Sorry.
1: No, it's okay.
0: (laughs) No, can we talk a little bit about how and using this example of hormones and stress? How would you compare, uh, functional medicine and getting to the root of the cause of the issues around hormones? How would you compare functional medicine with the route that traditional medicine might take to help a, a woman deal with PMS?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So something that's really common out there now is hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. So uh, the difference between modern medicine and functional medicine is that modern medicine does their labs, says, oh, your your testosterone is low. Here's uh, testosterone cream or testosterone injections. Now, functional medicine would look at that differently, whereas we would be asking, well, why is it low? What else do you have going on? And maybe if we can find that root cause of why it's low – we'll be able to reverse the effects naturally because the body is really intelligent and it really knows how to fix itself if you allow it that opportunity. You now, the exception for that, of course, is going to be uh, major things like cancer uh, or you have organs removed where you actually don't produce the hormone. Sure.
0: sure. So uh, let's go to low libido because who wants that, right? <laughs> First of all, what is low libido? How do you define it? Cause I'm not sure if I have it or not. Like what, do, <laughs> how do we know if we have low libido?
1: Well, I mean, I, I would say the most obvious is the not having the desire to, to have sex or be with a partner, okay. uh, that would probably be the, the most giving one. Males and females have their own personal uh, symptoms of low libido. Like a male would have uh, erectile dysfunction and females may have issues uh, getting ready for, for sex. So all all that would be part of the low libido category.
0: Okay. You do primarily work with women on this issue?
1: Uh, I work with both, but yeah, I do get a lot of females. And I don't know if that's because I really don't know why. I think females in general or are more open to this type of healing work mm-hmm. and more open to finding the root cause where mm-hmm. guys just want uh, a quick fix and move
0: on. Okay, so if you're working with me, say, and and we're trying to get to the root cause of a low libido issue, how would we start looking into it, sleuthing? How would your detective work kind of go? Yeah,
1: so uh, of course if I have my intake forms, and that, that's probably about fifteen to twenty pages long. That's going to give me a, a huge picture of what's going on, and I think that's a a big difference between most modern medicine practitioner or doctors and functional medicine is that I want a huge picture of the entire person and not just what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And so I would take a look at that. And then I would also do a couple of labs to take a look at where your cortisol levels are are throughout the day, where your DHEA levels are, estrogen, testosterone, So I would want to see all of that to have a baseline and starting point and correlate that with the symptoms they're experiencing.
0: Okay. And, and those hormone levels vacillate throughout the day, don't they? Or do,
1: um, I would say more throughout the month. Okay. The, the cortisol levels, they do vacillate throughout the day, if, if I understand you correctly. So they should be higher in the morning. Right. And then throughout the day, they should slowly go down and then be very low at night. Cortisol is a mild adrenaline and it responds to the circadian rhythms or it controls the circadian rhythms. So the reason why you should pop out of bed in the morning is because cortisol is high. Mm -hmm. And the reason why you should be tired at night is because cortisol is low. And if people wake up in the middle of the night, which oftentimes people do who come to see me, uh, that's because cortisol is having a spike in the middle of the night. And we need to figure out why that's happening.
0: So there's lots of reasons people wake up in the middle of the night and you work with people on sleep. How do you get to the root of sleep issues, insomnia, waking up?
1: You know, uh, again, I look at hormones, but then I also look at nutritional patterns and what people are eating and or drinking in the evening, because that could affect blood sugar throughout the evening. And then I look at what they're doing throughout the day. Are they overtraining? Um, Are they not eating enough? all of these things can affect it, including uh, women and and if they're going into menopause or not.
0: Okay. Okay. What is the connection between sleeplessness and diet?
1: So uh, cortisol, obviously the the headline here is cortisol. Um, So cortisol will also control blood sugar regulation. And so the brain needs glucose to function. And so if blood sugar drops too low during the middle of the night... And I'll explain why that might happen. Then cortisol will spike to increase blood glucose levels so that the brain can eat. And as a result, cortisol being that mild adrenaline, you'll wake up. Now, I mean, that stinks. You don't want that to happen. So what could affect that? Well, having uh, like high glycemic carbohydrates or sugars in the evening could spike your blood sugar and you'll feel great. And then you'll get tired from it. However, now that blood sugar is going to drop too low, and then when it drops too low, that's when you're going to wake back up between that one and three. Alcohol, unfortunately, can have that same effect because I know a lot of people like to drink mm-hmm. uh, wine in the evening.
0: Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. I'll have a couple glasses, but if I have more than one, usually it, it will wake me up very often. So, So you have to kind of keep that moderate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's no, as far as I know, no trick around it right now. You just know what you're getting yourself into.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we want to be careful what we eat. So when you're working with a patient, when a functional medicine doc is working with someone, do you call them patients?
1: Uh, Patients or clients.
0: Clients. Yep. Uh, when you're working with someone, do you work holistically with the diet as well? Uh, Do you take a look at that? Is that part of that 20-page paperwork intake form?
1: Uh, The intake, yeah. I get an idea of what's going on throughout their whole day and what they're eating. And I do work with people holistically on uh, four main areas, and the fifth uh, would be supplementation. So I do work on uh, diet or nutrition and then rest, making sure people are getting the proper amount of rest, uh exercise frequency stress reduction and supplementation
0: now again can i go back to the comparison i don't know if this is this is <laughs> offensive to you as a as a doctor but i'm really curious about the difference between traditional medicine and functional medicine so if i were to go to to a traditional doctor and say look i'm waking up in the middle of the night i have this feeling that it might have something to do with my diet what do, you, do you have any suggestions for me? What is a traditional doctor probably going to say to me?
1: Um, you know, if, of course, whoever's listening to this, I don't want anyone to think I'm being black and white because I'm not. Everyone's no, no,
0: no. I mean, different. you know, um, <laughs> in your opinion, of course, this is your yeah. opinion. But
1: yeah, I, I,
0: uh, I think
1: generally doctors are going to push toward uh, eating a healthy diet. I don't mm-hmm. know if they know how to implement that necessarily. Or advise like, hey, the alcohol or sugars in the evening could be waking you up in the middle of the night. But here's some ambient in the meantime. Right. Uh, right. It, yeah. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that there might be other ways to do it. And and don't get me wrong. Uh, modern medicine, if you have a, a fever or,
0: or infection,
1: uh, yeah, infection and, and acute yeah. type illness, exactly. I'm not the right person to come to for that. You right. definitely want to go to your doctor for, for that type of stuff.
0: Right, right. I and I agree with you. I agree. We are so uh far far ahead of so many other countries in what we can do to really bring people back from the dead, literally. So oh, yeah. so we don't want to denigrate traditional medicine, but there are there is a place for this i guess is what i'm getting at and i was sort of blown away rich when i went to have my very first colonoscopy this year first of all it took me a lot to get that get that done but when i was i was blown away because first of all the uh the prep that they give you and the the, the what they suggest you to eat i mean full of sugar first of all the Gatorade the you know, whatever, it's just full of sugar. And then the other the other interesting thing was when I went into the, for the intake, they were so shocked that at my age, I guess now I'm getting to be an advanced age. I didn't know <laughs> that before I went in there, but old enough for a colonoscopy. Um, they were shocked that I wasn't on any medications. So I guess by this age, traditional medicine expects us to be on some kind of Um, high blood pressure or cholesterol medication, which I think is just horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really uh, sad. And that goes back to, you know, the the acronym SAD, the Standard American Diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, that diet is the cause of uh, most of our chronic disease today because everything's out of a box and processed, and, and it's changing the genetic code or the DNA code in our body.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. And I I am a voiceover talent. I just did a big voiceover project narration uh, for bariatric surgery, which leads us into your weight gain may not be just overeating is one of your claims. And I I think so many people believe that 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 is the truth, but you say not so much. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. So it's going to come back to the the HPA axis we talked about earlier. Whereas, you know, if you're causing your body to basically break down and shut down, meaning anything you eat is then considered a foreign intruder because the the immune system is reacting to everything. That's going to cause more inflammation. So even if you're eating real food, you may have already caused that damage, now you have to maybe pull some of that food out. And you, know, you can find out through an allergy test what's really. Uh, impacting or, or affecting the immune system and just allow your body to to heal so i have had clients who are eating perfectly they're working out perfectly everything on paper but nothing's changing for them uh, and a lot of times it's just because and they're not overeating uh, just because the foods they are eating is not being processed the way they should be because their gut is just broken down
0: Mm, I hear so many people say that, uh, you know, I'm barely eating anything and I'm still not losing weight. So it's really frustrating for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And now when you have the opposite of that, where people are barely eating anything, um, you know, then the body thinks it's starving. Right, right, and, right. And so whenever you do eat anything, it's just going to store it as fat. In other words, um, you know, the thyroid is, is controlling the metabolism. And if you don't keep it fired up, and it's going to slow down. And those analogies have been around for a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Um But they're true. I mean, yeah, if you want the sure. fire to keep burning, you got to keep adding fuel.
0: Got to keep stoking that fire. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us are aware of that. But I think the idea that what we're eating could possibly be leading to overweight um, is is a little bit less well known. So... Thank you for mm-hmm. talking about that. What is something, what is one thing, uh, if someone feels like they might benefit from a functional medicine approach, what is one thing someone can do to kind of start getting on the right track, aside before they come to see you? Obviously, we want them to come see you, but before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, there's definitely information out there. I'd say one of the easiest things to do is go on like a mediterranean diet or or an elimination diet although elimination diet sounds scarier than mediterranean diet so uh, i tell most people to start with a mediterranean diet for about a month and that diet actually has proven research that it can improve insulin sensitivity and improve inflammation and so it's a great way for people just to get started and it's usually gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. So people are eliminating a lot of those inflammatory foods without even knowing it just because they're like oh, I'm on the Mediterranean diet. and it's it's actually a really good diet. I recommend that to a lot of people.
0: Mhm. Those people are happy over there in the Mediterranean, seems like. To
1: uh, me. <laughs> oh, they are. We were just over there for my honeymoon and it was they are happy.
0: Yeah. Well, it's beautiful for one thing. Can you do you have any examples of of Clients who've come to you and and maybe you've started them on the Mediterranean diet and like how long does it take for them to see of the effects of this new way of life?
1: Yeah, I would say I have to give you a range because it just depends on the age and where they're at.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: but it's usually two to four weeks that people start to see uh, positive effects. And you know, when you're healing the body, I always tell people you just have to be patient. Mm -hmm. because we're not just covering it up with a Band-Aid or a drug. I mean, you're really allowing the body to heal. And what happens about halfway through that change, people might actually see themselves gaining a little weight before they lose weight. And that's because uh, as you're removing the toxins out of the food, your body is now allowed to remove toxins out of itself. And so when that happens, that can cause some extra inflammation but, you know, I always tell them, just stick with it. It'll go away.
0: Now, when you say remove, the body is starting to remove toxins out of itself. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the inflammation and, and the extra fat that people might be holding holds toxins or, or called xenoestrogens. And that can be anything from uh, in the air that you're breathing, toxins from the food, Toxins from lotions and shampoos that you use, that all gets trapped mm-hmm. in the body uh, one way or another if it's not able to filter everything out. And so a lot of times, that's where it's so like an estrogen overload for mm-hmm. females. Unfortunately, get that more often than men. You're going to see the weight gain in the hips. And a lot of that is due to excess uh, estrogen. But I don't mean the sex hormone. I just mean it could be the sex hormone. But I mean uh, toxins getting held in the body.
0: Mm, because estrogens are in a lot a lot of products not just food right
1: yes absolutely and they come in different forms and i know people when they when they hear estrogen they just think of the female hormone but estrogen has the label of all all the different toxins out there
0: Mm. you have an acronym in your paperwork dress can you explain what that is
1: Yep, that's the uh, the diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation. That's the the pillars of a foundation that I use to work with people. Uh, We're in a society now where everyone goes to Doctor Google for for a supplement to help out their problems, which can be okay if they're doing the other four things with it. And so we're really working on nutrition and nutrition changing. And then making sure people are getting the adequate rest they need. Because if you don't, you're not going to heal. And then exercise would be, are you working out too much or not enough? We need to find that good balance from there. And working out, I mean, that could be anything from yoga to hiking to bodybuilding to CrossFit. It just depends Mm -hmm. on the individual. Uh, And then stress reduction is a huge part of it. And I recommend probably two 15-minute bouts of meditation a day for people that I'm working with. Because just from meditating uh, a little bit each day, that can help control uh, the cortisol levels, which help bring your body back in balance.
0: I love that you threw that in. That's so important. We are spirits having a human experience. And without meditation and stillness, we really can't experience ourselves that way. So I'm glad you threw that in there. Yeah. Now, you were a conditioner. You were a college uh, strength and conditioning coach. Where did you work? So I was
1: at Michigan State University, oh, Xavier cool. University, and the University of Florida.
0: Cool. So you've worked with some really uh, <laughs> pretty talented athletes. Can you uh, I, say that uh, like there's a difference between the athlete versus the non-athlete in in a healing process like this?
1: Yeah, I would believe there is, but I think the athlete will tend to heal a little faster. Uh, just because they are usually in better condition to begin with. But a lot of times I would get the, the OCD athlete mm-hmm. that wants to keep working out hard and not, and not rest. And mm-hmm. so that can make it more challenging. But, uh, but overall, it's very similar. Just the athletes tend to heal a little quicker
0: because they've been on that track and, yes. yeah.
1: And, and, you know, but from the time they were in, in high school or younger, they've had coaches telling them, have a stay in good shape, make sure you get sleep, make sure you eat enough. Right. Um, so unless they have something deeper going on, like Lyme disease, which is, could be a common one
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or some kind of a gut pathogen, they tend to heal within three to six months.
0: Wow. Cool. So yeah. if someone has never worked out a day in their life, which I can't even imagine, but if someone is a non-athlete or they call themselves that, uh what do you recommend for them you know along in along the lines of this dress protocol uh what do you recommend for them to get started because exercise is so important i believe for just for body mind and spirit for that kind of balance what what is a good way to start if someone has never exercised
1: a great way to start depending on what the goals are um are just to start to get out and maybe walk. Uh, try some, some light hiking, maybe experience going to a gym. Uh, there are some good trainers out there who are great for beginners. I'd recommend maybe finding a personal trainer that could help you get moving and, and find some accountability to get going.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think walking is a great, great way to start for anyone. Yeah.
1: And even yoga, right? Cause I mean, some yogas can get challenging too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gentle yoga is great. I teach gentle yoga, I believe. I'm a believer. I'm a believer.
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And it reduces stress. Totally. So that's good.
0: Our bodies are so wise, aren't they, Rich? I I mean, once we start giving them just the right food, it can be just one of those things. The right food, a little more rest, a little walk around the block. I mean, it just starts to put itself back together, would you say?
1: Absolutely. I, that's why I'm fascinated by the body. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, if someone's interested in getting more information, because you work with people all around the country and the world, maybe, I don't know, uh, how would somebody find out about you?
1: Uh, a great first step is to go to my website, and that's myhealthdetective.com, and uh, you can pick up my free sleep report. That would at least get you going with some free stuff.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting us learn a little bit more about functional medicine and your practice and your passion for this, this uh, new paradigm. Really, hopefully, this is the way we're we're moving with our health in this country. So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Connie. I had a great time.
0: Yeah. Thanks. And hopefully, we'll get back
1: on again. Fantastic. Okay. Take care. You too.
0: Back to happy.